Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to our worship at Hillhead. Our service this morning will be led by Reverend Graham Clark, formerly of Paisley Central Baptist Church and now retired. Graham is a long-standing friend of Hillhead, so it's a joy, Graham, to, to have you with us this morning, and we're looking forward to your message. We will also hear later uh, Paul F. reading scripture, Sylvia leading the Lord's Prayer, Dr. Beth will lead our prayers for others, and shortly Bethany will light our candle. Our musicians are Paul and Leo. If you are planning your evening, then the reflections will be on Zoom tonight, and they're hosted by our friends from Wellington Church. Uh, a couple of events ahead of this Sunday, or things to remember. A, a reminder that the Christmas Appeal for Christian Aid is still on. You will have had a link from Katrina, but if you've lost it um, or need any other information, then you can check with her. Uh, the names of those who chose to put their names will appear in the minor key uh, for December and January. So those will be circulated at the start of next month. Also, talking of Advent, Holly wanted to, uh, uh, to let us know that a group from the church are reading the same book, Advent-themed book, and as they're reading, they're talking about it over WhatsApp. Uh, if you would like to join the group, then please talk or write to Holly. And if you'd like to know more about what kind of book, she can show it to you even if you're here in the hotel or otherwise, of course, she can pass you the information and then tell you um, how to join. On the family news, we had some delightful uh, news earlier on uh, of the birth of Emma and Drew's son, Killian. Uh, he arrived a little earlier than expected, and we are so delighted and so grateful uh, that mom and baby are both doing well. Drew and Emma are sending their thanks for cards and emails received. And of course, we're very much looking forward in good time to see baby Killian and welcome him. Um, Ken is still in hospital, uh, but doing okay. So... Prayers appreciated, uh, but also thanks from him and from Barbara, again, for your cards and emails. Well, that's what we have today. Next uh, Sunday morning, our worship will be led by Katrina. And just a reminder, it will be on Zoom only. It's time now for Bethany to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
We join together in prayer. Let us pray together. Eternal God, our Lord and Savior, as we worship you this morning, gather us into the fold of your love. Gather us into the place of your truth. Gather us into the vision of your hope. Gather us in to the place of your encouragement. Gather, gather us in to the peace of your healing. Gather us in to the presence of your comfort. Gather us in to the grace of your forgiveness. May those who feel lonely and isolated be gathered in. May those who feel troubled and anxious be gathered in. May those who are depressed and despairing be gathered in. May those who feel weary and tired be gathered in. Gather us in, Lord, gather us into your greatness and your glory, your peace and your power, your wonder and your way. Gather us in, Lord, as we pray together in the words you taught us to follow. Padre nuestro que estás en los cielos, santificado sea su nombre. Hágase su voluntad, tanto en el cielo como en la tierra. Perdone nuestros pecados y nuestros pecadores. Denos el pan de cada día. No nos dejes caer en la tentación, mas líbranos de todo mal. Amén. Thank you so much for your warm welcome here this morning. I bring greetings from Cathcart Baptist Church, which is 99 years old today. So we're looking forward to next year, and we're going to celebrate um, being 100 then, and um, we've got lots of plans for that celebration. Hillhead Baptist Church is a church where I share friendships, and which in recent years I've had a connection because I provided the covers for your church magazine um, more often than, uh, than not with some of my photographs. After around 40 years of Baptist ministry, including 10 as chief executive of Glasgow City Mission, I retired. However, in May of this year, I was elected as a councillor to Renfrewshire Council. So I'm greatly enjoying this new challenge and a new way of helping people, especially in this time of crisis. These last years have been difficult years, difficult years for everyone, crisis following crisis. There's been a lot of loss and death, much of which was expressed in the emotion around the death of the Queen. And we have a new King, King Charles. As I was looking ahead to today, I noticed in the lectionary that it was designated as Christ the King Sunday. And so I began to reflect on what it means to call Jesus King. We sing about it, we, we talk about it, but we perhaps don't think about it as much as we should. What does it mean to call Jesus King and what's the nature of Jesus' kingdom? On Saturday, 6 May next year at Westminster Abbey, King Charles will be anointed, blessed, and consecrated by the Archbishop of Canterbury. That is, God will be brought into a blessing of power, of privilege, of prosperity, and prominence. When Jesus says in Luke 4, 43, 
I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God because that is why I was sent. Jesus is speaking of a very different kind of kingship and kingdom. A kingdom Jesus brings close to us and which helpfully can be part of our everyday lives. When there is so much bad news, good news is important to us. The kingdom of God has come near. I want to reflect on that with you this morning. Psalm 99. Mighty King, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Extol the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. And a reading from the Gospel of Mark. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. 
and the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. While the expression the kingdom of God does not occur in the Old Testament, the concept is affirmed in various ways throughout its length. Above all, in its assertion of the kingship of God as found in the imagination of the songwriters in the Psalms. Psalm 99 verse 1 says, The Lord reigns, he sits enthroned. Here in the imagination of the writer, and the community that sings, the kingdom of God is seen in God's acts of justice and salvation. A kingdom of God is envisioned over against injustice and tyranny, the present reality of the Psalm writers. In the New Testament, this kingdom of God is core to the life and teaching of Jesus. Jesus calls on you and I to use our faith imagination to envisage how God's transforming power can bring to an end injustice and oppression by the world's evil powers. And he calls us to come to a place of promise, of peace, of hope and joy for humanity. Jesus calls to us to see life in the world and for the world, not as it is, but how it can be. The kingdom of God has come near. Gina was one of the women that I worked with on the streets of Glasgow. She was working in prostitution. She was a very um, tough woman. In fact, a few men had suffered from her right hook. Um, she was not to be messed with. She had a, a, an alcohol addiction. She'd stayed clear of drugs, but she was drinking very heavily. But she was very kind. And I noticed how she looked after some of the other women and did things which I felt that I couldn't even do. And so I was learning kindness from her. And I saw her in her that kindness. And I said to her, one day, Gina, you'll come and work for me. And she swore at me and um, said, no chance. And um, however, she did. Um, some years later, she came and worked for me. And she said to me, remember? That day you said to me that you'll come, I'll come and work for you. And so she started with us and she was amazing because 
She knew everything, and she'd worked with people. I think, too, of Anne-Marie, who became our um, secretary, our uh, receptionist at uh, the City Mission. Anne-Marie was also working on the street. She was been a heroin addict for many years. And um, the, the, some of the women in the mission bought her nice clothes, and she came in to be our secretary. Nobody, she, she never thought she could have another job in her life or do anything different. I just remember that, that she just was so totally transformed because we saw her in a different way. And that's really what I'm talking about today, is how we look at people, how we look at situations, and see not just how the situation is now, but how it possibly can be. And for me, this is what the kingdom of God is about. It's about imagining what can be in place of what is. Imagination is a key category for making sense of Jesus' teaching. One of the key functions of imagination is the presentation of the otherwise absent. In other words, we have the capacity through our faith imagination to call to mind persons or states of affairs which are other than those which appear to confront us, other than that which we are currently experiencing. The kingdom of God has come near. For Jesus, this kingdom brings about a reversal of so many things we face, and that's why it brings so much opposition. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of self-giving. Throughout his life, but crucially in his death, Jesus calls us to envisage a place, a kingdom of self-giving love. We read in Philippians 2 verse 8, And being found in appearance as a human, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In a world of consumerism, Christmas is coming, it's already here, I think. The lights are up on our street anyway. And selfishness is at the core. Jesus calls us to imagine a different way of being. A way not of power and privilege, but of humility and generosity. The deep challenge to you and I as Christians in a cost of living crisis is not to batten down the hatches and fall in on ourselves, but to live with a spirit of generosity and kindness even when it hurts. Living with less so that others can live with more. I like to imagine a sharing church, a caring church, a church which is rich in love, even when it may be poor in resources. I like to imagine that the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom where those on the edge are brought to the center. In a world of divisions, Jews and Gentiles, Jews, Samaritans, Pharisees and Sadducees, Romans and Palestinians, men and women, Jesus' kingdom was a kingdom of inclusion, where the marginalized and the excluded were brought to the center. I love that story of Zacchaeus hiding up there in the tree, and Jesus calls him out and invites himself to his house for tea. Or Jesus sitting at a well, chatting with a woman who loved men more than she, perhaps she should, chatting and changing. I met Peter in Aberdeen. Peter suffered from illness and difficulties and lived a chaotic life with no friends. 
So I took the brave step and I invited myself to his house for a cup of tea. This was a bit of an adventure. We came in and after I'd cleared the chair of several carryouts and lots of old clothes and things, I finally managed to get a seat to sit down in. And Peter said, would you like a cup of tea? As he took his cup and wiped it in his t-shirt and then took the teapot, poured in some cold tea leaves into some cold water and put it on the gas stove to heat. It was a different kind of cup of tea, but it was a really important cup of tea for Peter because nobody had been in his house, nobody had gone to be with him, nobody had talked to him really for a long time. What does inclusion mean for you? It's a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us. There's all kinds of different people. One of the key things for me is just listening. I've learned so much by just being with people of all different persuasions and genders and mixtures of people and all sorts of things. And for me, it's always about listening. And I've learned so much from others. Too many people in Scotland today live in loneliness and isolation. Too many people are excluded through poverty, through race, through gender, through digital exclusion, through lack of citizenship and recourse to public funding. I love to imagine a Scotland where those who are excluded are brought to the centre, where instead of hate there is love, and that's important for Christians as well um, in these times, where instead of judgment, there is justice, where the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom where there is forgiveness, love, and transformation. Social media, I'm working on my phone, so um, I'm hoping nobody interrupts this. Social media platforms have become an increasingly ubiquitous presence in people's lives. Everybody goes about looking at their phones these days. But there's too much hate speech, racism, and forms of bigotry on these platforms. On Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, WhatsApp, Instagram, and so many other things. These platforms, which started only really in 2004, hard to believe that now, isn't it? Um, have been incredibly successful. Their growth has experienced uh, exponential growth. And yet, they've contributed to a surge of hate and hate speech. I was reading yesterday in the paper that seven out of 10 people working in retail in Scotland have been abused in recent months. There's a lot of anger out there in our society, a lot of anger and a lot of abuse. Jesus suffered a lot of abuse but did not abuse back. Indeed, at the very point of his greatest agony, he cries, Father, forgive. Throughout his ministry, he brought healing to the broken, love to the loveless, and transformation to those who'd given up on hope. The kingdom of God has come near. During COVID in Paisley, I saw a lot of people who cared for others, phoning to see if they were okay, getting messages and delivering them to neighbors' doors, talking to people through closed windows, and all the things which went on during COVID. That community cohesion 
was important. And hopefully post-COVID, if it is post-COVID, um, these things don't disappear. I imagine a society where compassion is the driving force, where people are valued, forgiven, and given new life opportunities, where abuse, misogyny, and disdain are no longer acceptable, and where social media is a place of encouragement, enrichment, and beauty. Okay, I'm a realist, and I know that my faith imagination of the kingdom of God is more than a little distant from the everyday experience of people today. Jesus knew that too. However, Jesus calls us to reach for it, to envision it, and by so doing, to see the world differently. And in seeing the world differently, we ourselves are changed. And that's a start. Although the kingdom of God is more than something just inside us, it's something which happens in our society. Remember, only a little salt flavors the whole dish. Only a small light defeats the darkness. And only a little yeast transforms the whole lump. In all of this, the kingdom of God has come near. So my challenge to you is to imagine this world which is in crisis, this world which is in difficulty, to imagine it in a different way, to see it in a different way, as a way of bringing it about. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. And some of that dream came true, not all of it. There's still a lot of prejudice and difficulty in America, but, you know, things changed. I have a dream. We need to imagine, we need to see our world in a different way. We can be drawn into the negativity that everybody else carries in these times, or we can be different and believe the kingdom of God has come near. Amen.
God of justice and good news, as we think on your kingdom and the promise it holds, we lift before you our prayers for others and for ourselves in this world. We think this week of the creche, Sunday school and Bible class as they grow together and learn of your kingdom and their places as incredibly valued members of it. We pray for your hand on our young people and for all those who work with them. We think of our city and our country thinking of your kingdom. We pray for wisdom, justice and kindness in those who govern. We think of all the people who seek to share kindness and joy with those around them and we thank you for them. We thank you for those who know that what we see now is not how things have to be and strive for better for those around them. BMS World Mission today asks us to think of Sri Lanka, whose economy has crashed and where food and medicine are scarce and expensive. They ask for particular prayers for their partner, Asia Pacific Baptist Aid, coordinating a local response. It is a country, like many around it, known to be in greater danger from the impact of climate change than some others like our own. As we think of your kingdom of justice, we hold before you the decisions made at COP27, including those relating to the loss and damage funds to support countries, including Sri Lanka. We pray that the outcomes of conversations had both formally and informally at COP27 would translate into actions going forward that are good for your people and your world. God of the kingdom of justice and joy, help us to walk in your way as we travel into the week ahead. Amen.
blessing of God be on our hearts and on our homes. The peace of God be in our coming and our going. The love of God be in our life and our believing. The arms of God enfold us and keep us. Amen.